And all of this for in Matthew 24, it speaks of uh, two being in the field, one taken and one left. Uh-huh. And uh, several other instances. Is that the rapture or is that something else? I used to think that was a rapture. But that is not the rapture. Think about this with me for a moment. At the rapture, believers are taken off the earth. Who's left, be, uh, left behind? Unbelievers, right? The unbelievers are left behind. However, at the end of the tribulation period, it's going to be in reverse. At the end of the tribulation period, you'll have believers left on the earth, those who got saved during the tribulation period, and unbelievers taken off the earth. And where are they going to be taken? They will be thrown into hell. And they will remain in hell until what judgment? The great white throne judgment of Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. So that's what Jesus meant when he said, there shall be two in the field. One shall be taken, the other left. Two shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two shall be in bed. The one shall be taken, and the other left. The one that's left, will be left on the earth to go into the inauguration of the millennial kingdom. The one taken will be thrown into hell and they will remain there until the great white throne judgment. So that's what Jesus Christ meant on that. As a matter of fact, you know, like I said, Jack Van Impey, who just, uh, he just passed away yesterday, he used to also believe that that was a rapture until he studied it further to show that it's not talking about the rapture, but the total reverse of the rapture. So. Have you ever heard that those folks don't go to hell but actually go to the Oh, actually, that will be at uh, Gog-Magog battle. But also at uh, the, the Magog battle that we see in the book of Revelation as well. And somebody just asked me this today, and I don't know if the brother is, is here when he asked that question, because he thought that the Magog, Gog-Magog of Revelation was the same in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. And they're not. The Ezekiel 38-39 invasion, when it's all said and done, God calls for the birds to come and feast on their bodies. In the Gog-Magog invasion, that's only a handful of nations. But in the Gog-Magog of, of Revelation uh, chapter number uh, 20, that's all nations. The number as whom is as the sand of the sea invades the holy city of Jerusalem. And the Bible says Jesus Christ will crush that very invasion. So there could be a connection to what you were talking about. Two shall be in the field, one taken, one left, and so on and so forth. But remember what Jesus said in Matthew 25. He will order his angels to take these unbelievers off the earth and throw them into hell where they will remain until they stand before Jesus at the great white throne. So that's what's meant by that. So, Okay, next question. Okay, I think Gil. <laughs> Matthew 24 as well. Explain the elect. And it's not only the way it's referred to there, but in other parts of the Bible. Exactly. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, even the angels are called the elect angels. You have elect angels. Uh, Israel is called God's elect. The church, born-again believers, were also called, uh, called God's elect. Elect is not just limited to the church. It can refer... It can refer to Israel. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 45, 4. Israel is mine elect. Then he talks about in the book of Hebrews, the elect angels. Then he talks about us as the church, as the elect. And so it's just not limited to the church. We've got to remember something. 
You have the national election of Israel, God's chosen people, the apple of his eye, the Jewish people, and you have the ecclesiastical election of the church. And when we read passages like Isaiah 45, 4, like 1 Peter uh, chapter number 1, like in Ephesians chapter number 1, it indeed talks about the elect referring to the church. Now you got those in Reformed theology that would try to redefine those words and say, or for example, Calvinists, they'll try to redefine those words and say, well, the elect is only referring to whom God chose the salvation and the rest of the world God has decided to send to hell. If that's true, then Jesus' words in John 3.16 mean nothing. For God so loved... Somebody do a word definition on world. It means the universe and everybody within it. For God so loved the world. But again, those in Reformed theology will try to pull a fast one on you and redefine those very words. Oh, world? Well, that, that, that doesn't mean the whole universe. That just means the elect world. That's not what Jesus, did Jesus said. For God so loved the elect world? No, he said, for God so loved the world. Because with Calvinism, God's love is selective and arbitrary. God only loves certain individuals and he hates the rest of you. How dare you? How dare you? Make my God out to be some type of monster. God's love is not selective. God's love is not arbitrary. For God so loved the world. And yet they say that God's atonement for mankind was only limited. Only limited to the elect. Really? I'll give you one Bible verse that will blow that out of the water right now. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 2 says this. Talking about Jesus. And he is the propitiation for our sins, born again believers, and not for our sins only, born again believers, but also for the sins of the whole world, unbelievers. Yeah. I know I get too passionate about this, but when, it, when it, people talk about Calvinism, my blood boils. Because they turn our God into a monster. Romans 3, 4 says, let God be true, but every man a liar. And yes, I'm calling them liars. Because God's love is not limited. God's love is unlimited. Salvation is sufficient for all. But efficient for those who call upon the name of the Lord. Keep that in mind. Sufficient for all, but efficient for those who get saved. Whosoever means exactly that in the Bible. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever, red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So elect refers to elect Israel, elect angels, the elect church. It's just not limited to the church. Yes, one more. Go ahead. I just want to say this, that chapter 24, some Christians think that elect means Christians when it means the Jew. It's, it's talking about Israel. Exactly. You are absolutely right, Gail. 150%. Absolutely. Next question. Ma'am. Um, and towards the end of time, when where in the Bible does it say that God will stand in Israel? 
Where does it say that God will stand? Does it say that God will be there with Israel and Israel will conquer or Israel will flourish or, or whatever? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 35 is just one of many passages. That one day the land itself will flourish when the Jewish people are back in their own homeland. When the Messiah is sitting on David's throne, ruling from that city for 1,000 years. As I said this morning, in Ezekiel chapter number 36, God prophesied, not the people, not the human beings, he prophesied to the land itself. Saying that one day, the indigenous, original people will one day come back into this land, and God said, I will feed them, and I will shepherd them, they shall be my people, and God himself will be their God. Ezekiel chapter 5 verse 5, Deuteronomy 32 8 says, Israel and Jerusalem is in the very center of the earth. And yet, in the millennial kingdom, Zechariah 14, 16, God says, I will order all nations to go up from year to year to worship the king, talking about Jesus, to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Because in the kingdom, we're going to be celebrating Jewish feasts. Not Gentile holidays like Christmas or anything like that. We're going to be celebrating Jewish feasts in the kingdom. And so, yes, God did say, I will. Ezekiel 34. What did God say? You remember? What did God say 18 times in Ezekiel 34? I will. I will. I will. I will. I will. I will gather the Jewish people from the four corners of the earth. I will bring them back into their own homeland. I will defend them. I will protect them. I will feed them. I will be their shepherd. I will be their God. 18 times in Ezekiel 34, God said, I will, I will, I will. If God said it once, that's good enough for me. But 18 times, we better listen up. God is not finished with Israel. They've been temporarily set aside right now as God is dealing with the ecclesia. Here, uh, the ecclesiastical election of the church, Gail. But when the rapture takes place, then God will deal with the nation of Israel. Through what period? Seven year period of tribulation. To bring them to faith. And by the way, Romans 11.26 tells us, And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness, or their present day blindness, from Jacob, or the Jewish people. God will stand with Israel. He has never forsaken Israel. Despite their unbelief right now. Good question. Good question. Someone else? I'll ask myself a question. Okay. <laughs> Could you briefly explain uh, the four horsemen in uh, Revelation chapter 6? Yes. Revelation uh, chapter number 6 talks about these four horse, horsemen. The first... Uh, Rider is on a white horse. Please don't confuse that rider on the white horse with the rider on the white horse in Revelation 19.11. The rider on the white horse in Revelation 19.11 is the true Messiah of Israel. That's talking about Jesus Christ. Amen. But the rider on that white horse is the false Messiah. He's the beast. He's the Antichrist coming into the world. And then there's another horse, a red horse, that's called the uh, red horse. That represents war. Global war during that seven year period of tribulation. Then there's a third horse, and it is a black horse, and that black horse represents what? Famine. A global famine in which people are going to be starving to death. Right now they're talking about a, a food shortage worldwide, and then that fourth horse is a pig. We just looked at it. 
a pale horse. And his name is sat on him was death. And hell followed with him. And power was given unto them, both death and hell, over the fourth part of the earth. To kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and with the beast of the earth. Increased animal attacks. Because everybody's just flipping out during the tribulation period. Yes, even the animals. I mean, you think about it. Look at look what's going on in um, Australia right now. The whole country is burning, man. And what they're telling us right now is millions and millions of animals have died. And there have been increased animal attacks because they're flipping out, not knowing what to do. Koalas are dying. The kangaroos are dying. It's, 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 it's a madhouse there. That's nothing. I'm not trying to minimize that, but that's nothing compared to what the book of Revelation describes. So that is the four horsemen in a nutshell there, Bob. All right, next question. Yes. Seven years of burning weapons. Does that mean it has to start three and a half years before the tribulation? Or could the burning of weapons include some of the chemical weapons that we have now that the fire just stop when Jesus comes? You know, what's crazy is that, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, during the Persian Gulf War, when, remember Saddam Insane? Remember that guy? <laughs> when he invaded uh, Kuwait, when it was all said and done, and the media was going in there, our U.S. troops, our allies are going through there. I saw tanks ablaze. Tanks on fire. Jeeps. I mean, these things were burning, man. And yet in Ezekiel 39, we read this this morning, Ezekiel 39, 9, the people of Israel would be burning the weapons of the enemies. We're talking about the Russians, the Iranians, the Turkish troops, Libyan troops, Ethiopia, Sudan, Somalia, when they're all dead upon the mountains of Israel, Israel will burn their weapons for seven years. And I used to think that, that pertained to the seven-year period of tribulation. It can't. Because if that pertained to the seven-year period of tribulation, what happens at the midway point of the tribulation period? The, Jew, the abomination of desolation. That's what Jesus said, Matthew 24, 15. The Jews would flee for their lives to Petra. Which means that they, they would have to leave off the burden of those weapons. They would only burn them for three and a half years rather than seven years. So I told you I wanted you to get that book by Dr. Ron Rhodes. A chronology of Bible prophecy in which he suggests this invasion, God may God, happens after the church has been raptured. That invasion is destroyed. Israel is burning their weapons for three and a half years after the rapture. Going into the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. That would cover seven years. And then at the midway point of the tribulation period, the Jewish people would flee for their very life. Whether they use the chemicals to do it, I don't know. But I do know for those seven years, they will be burning those weapons. But I don't think that seven years pertains to the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. So, please get that book. It's a really good book by Dr. Ron Rhodes. Alright, another question. Going once, Gail. How did I know? In Isaiah, where it mentions Damascus, Damascus is going to be obliterated. Is that during the Ezekiel War, or what's the point? Well, it's interesting you said that because in Isaiah seventeen one it says, "One day Damascus will become a ruinous heap." Damascus is the capital of what is today Syria. 
Syria is on Israel's northeast border, separated by a buffer zone, which we call the Golan Heights. The go and I, I go up to the Golan Heights all the time with my uh, tour groups. Todd Baker and I go up to the Golan Heights. So remember Mount Hermon, to where the Israeli Defense Force soldiers are stationed there. And when we're there on Mount Hermon, if you really listen uh, intently, you can hear like really faint sonic booms in the distance because Syria has been embroiled in a what eight year civil war now that's resulted in over 750,000 Syrian men, women and children butchered by the Assad regime who's keeping Bashar al-Assad in power over there in Syria well what do you know Russia and Vladimir Putin oh by the way who else is over there in Syria Iran who else is over there in Syria Turkey major players in Ezekiel's coalition in chapters 30 and 39. By the way, do you know who else is in Iraq? Iran. Why do you think we just killed Qassam Soleimani, number two in the Iranian military forces? Because that guy has been responsible for murdering our men and women in the armed forces. And he needed to be taken out. And finally, President Trump gave the order to do exactly that. I even saw graphic pictures of the aftermath. The only thing that they found of Qassam Soleimani was his right hand. You wanna know what's interesting? I, I couldn't believe this. He had a big massive ring on that deceased hand of his. And you know what it said in Arabic on that ring? Haman! You see what I'm getting at here? Read the book of Esther. Where does the event of the book of Esther take place? Persia. Who is Persia today? Iran. Iran. Because, as a matter of fact, they don't speak Islamic or Islam or Arabic in Iran. Do you know what language they speak? The Persian language. They still speak the Persian language that they call today Farsi. So, folks, you can see the early fruition of Ezekiel's prophecy unfolding right before our very eyes. It is absolutely incredible. Absolutely unbelievable. All right, next question. You let me know, brother, when it's time to wrap her up. Yes, ma'am. Can you explain to me what the bottomless pit is? You know, it's different than the lake of fire, but during the same you put into the bottomless pit. It's also mentioned in Revelation 9. Yes, yes. Actually, you'll find the word bottomless pit seven times mentioned in the book of Revelation. When that bottomless pit, now one prophecy teacher says, well, that bottomless pit is some dark hole in outer space. No, it isn't. The bottomless, in Revelation 9 that you just mentioned, when the bottomless pit is open, there's this thick black choking smoke that comes out of the bottomless pit. And it blots out the what? The sun and the stars. So if that's the case, it's coming up from the earth into the atmosphere. So it's not in outer space, it's under the earth, this bottomless pit. Where? I don't know. But when that bottomless pit is open, you know what comes out of that bottomless pit? Demonic locust. And the, John in Revelation describes how hideous these things look. Can you imagine that? Crowns on their head, long hair, 
like a woman, face of a man, teeth of a lion, the body of a horse, and a tail that looks like a scorpion. And when man is stung by one of these things, according to Revelation chapter 9, 5 and 10, they are tormented for how many months? Five months. The Bible says they will desire to die because the pain is so excruciating. And yet the Bible says in Revelation 9, death will flee from them at that point. So these are demonic locusts. In terms of the bottomless pit, Satan at the end of the tribulation period will be thrown into that bottomless pit. We also must assume that those demons are thrown also into the bottomless pit. How many demons are there in the world today? Okay, let me give you an example here. In Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, it talks about Satan's fall or Lucifer's fall, right? When Lucifer fell, his name was changed from Lucifer to Satan, the adversary. Okay, so I don't find a number in Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. It just said, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Now we apply inductive Bible study here. We compare scripture with scripture. Now we go to Revelation chapter 12, verse 4. Talking about Satan or the dragon. His tail drew the third part of the stars from heaven. A third of those angels followed Lucifer in the rebellion and they became known as demons. Here's what I want to get at here. Daniel chapter 7 verse 10 and Revelation chapter 5 verse 11 talks about the number of angels. 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. You do the math on that. 10,000 times 10,000 equals 100 million. Take a third of those 100 million angels. You know how many demons that is? A third of 100 million angels? 33,333,330 point three three three. Three. <laughs> That's a lot of stinking demons, brother. They weren't thrown to hell. They were thrown here to earth. That's why Satan is called the what of this world? Small g, however. The God of this world. So when he's cast into that bottomless pit, we must also assume his demons are cast into that bottomless pit as well. Because if they weren't, are you going to have a thousand years of peace? Absolutely not. So Satan... And those demons are incarcerated in that bottomless pit. For how long? One, zero, zero, zero. One thousand years. By the way, where's the Antichrist and false prophet at this time? They're the first two to be cast into the lake of fire. Amen. Satan won't be cast into the lake of fire until at the end of the millennial kingdom. Then, Revelation 20 verse 10, then he's thrown into the lake of fire. So that's pretty much what the bottomless pit, and by the way, the bottomless pit is a Greek word, abusos, the abode of evil spirits. Look at Jude verse 6 as well, and it talks about that. 